100% Dad podcast interviews with dads. Joseph Kalina, I believe a new dad. Is that right? Dad of one? Yeah. Uh, boy number one had him about 13 months ago. Oh, COVID baby. Yep. Uh, married? Yep. How long? We've been married about four years now. Okay. So married a couple years before uh, having the kids. Having the kid. Uh, what's the plan? One, two, three, four, a hundred? The plan is two. What kind of spacing in between? We plan to go to Scotland this summer for a Scott, a legit Scott wedding up in the... Uh, oh, okay. Not your wedding. Somebody else's. Not not our wedding. No. One of our okay. friends uh, who's marrying a legit Scott and they, they moved to Scotland and he's from the North Islands. I forgot what they're called, but it's going um, toward the, the Nordic region. And we got invited to this wedding and I said, hell yeah, it's going to be like a traditional, like they're going to be wearing kilts, all the legitimate Scottish stuff. So anyways, after that wedding, we're going to work on baby number two. I feel like destination weddings are a way of saying, we don't want you to come. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I I mean, they're a pain in the ass for sure, but uh, these people, they're really nice and I've always wanted to go to Scotland. I think it's like one of the coolest places yeah, in Europe. I, that's one of the places I want to go to. What do you do for a living? I am in residential real estate sales here in Gwinnett County, Georgia. It's me and my brother. We we own our own team. And uh, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Kalina Brothers yeah. up in uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Uh, and it's south of Atlanta, right? Southwest? No, it's uh, north, northeast. That was close. Somewhere around Atlanta. And you're from Florida, right? St. Augustine, Florida. Quite a bit of friends down in Fort Lauderdale and that whole area, Miami. We don't consider Miami. I say this all the time. Uh, Floridians don't consider Miami part of Florida. Miami is Miami. Miami is Cuba. (laughs) Yeah. They do their own thing down there, and we just let them. Well, of course, being in Georgia, our vacation spot is the Panhandle. That's where we go every year since I was a little kid. Panhandle. So I always, I was in, I was on the other coast. I was on the Atlantic, so we, I had no reason to go to the Panhandle um, or the west coast of Florida. You know, we'd do Tampa and stuff like that, but not the beach because well, our beaches were better. And so we, I just went to the Panhandle as a beach tourist about a month ago, and I actually really liked it. It's pretty beach. So it's all that white sand from the courts, and uh, they actually have waves, which they don't have in like the west side of Florida, uh, right? But but they have them up there, so it was a nice area. It's beautiful, man. If you go to some of those little towns off the beaten path near uh, Alabama, go to the non-touristy parts. It's it's really nice. You could have a good, relaxing time with your family. All right. So you had your first kid in COVID. How's that experience been so far? It's been life changing, as you know, any new dad would have it. Um, during COVID, I mean, it really didn't make that much of a difference because I'm one of those who's not afraid. <laughs> I ain't yeah. scared. So Could we you be still... in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. we had, when we had him, uh, we were allowed to be in the hospital. We couldn't have family. So it was no visitors. literally just me and my wife during that time. I actually almost like that even better Townsend. I mean, it was a great bonding experience with my wife. You know, it was something that we both had never experienced was completely new. And we were both you know, scared and excited all at the same time. And uh, it was a very beautiful time. I actually, when my wife was in labor, uh, I looked up some guided pregnancy meditation on YouTube and I, I guided her through meditation during that time. And uh, and then on a speaker on my beatbox, wherever it is, I played uh, some really good, like some of our favorite worship songs uh, while she was delivering. So it was, it was a really beautiful experience. Cool. So it was normal, uh, normal, delivery, no cesareans or anything like that. And it was in a hospital. So it wasn't yep. at home. Okay. So I'm just running through some things in my head. I want to backtrack sure. a, a minute. Have you, so pre-marriage, did you guys talk about um, how many kids you wanted in the spacing and, you know, how you wanted to raise them, things like that? Or has that been something you guys are figuring out, are figuring out on the fly? Yeah. Uh, a little bit of both. Because before, in my mid-20s, I'm 
I'm 34 now, but in my mid to late twenties, that's when I started having a lot of self-discovery and revelations um, within myself. Like when Lindsay and I, Lindsay's my wife, by the way, uh, when we first started dating, I was the kind of guy where I I told her like, I'm never going to get married or have kids. And I said, that's, that's just not me. Yeah. And I was one of those guys. (laughs) just throughout that time, really, like I said, my mid twenties was when I really got on this path of self-development and uh, got into real estate, you know, started reading the right books, hanging out with the right people. And I just realized that, you know what, it's okay to get married to somebody you love. It's okay to take that step and have a kid and make your life beyond yourself, which was the biggest epiphany I had once I got on this path. And that's when I really started looking uh, at life a different way. I kind of renewed my faith, started going back to church, looking for different groups and people to hang out with. Uh, I mean, shoot, like, like your group, like dad, 100% dad, and just, you know, getting involved and associating with people like yourself who are out to uh, really make the world a better place. uh, And by realizing it's not just about you. Sounds good. Sounds like you're uh, putting a, putting a lot of positive in your life and, and, trying to make improvements in a lot of different aspects of your life. Yeah. And succeed it. Cause uh, you know, once you're okay with that really kind of why I want to come on here today too, is just let other dads and new dads and people who are on the edge of having kids. One of my friends, he just got married and he was telling me how, you know, I said, are you going to have kids? And he said, man, I want to, but I'm so scared that I just, I don't even know if that's for me. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, my dad made a lot of mistakes and was such a jerk to me growing up that I'm afraid of that happening to my kid and me being that. And I told him that's an interesting thought, but I think the very, the very thing that the reason why you said that to me, I think shows that you have enough awareness that that's not going to happen. And honestly, I think you should have kids and be a dad. People that have bad dads that are bad dads, but they don't recognize that usually. Right. Uh, certainly, certainly not to that level where they're thinking of just not having any because of that. And then there's guys that have bad dads that uh, are changing the narrative and are and learned how to not be a dad, um, and so they go the opposite way and make genuine try uh, genuine strides in changing that family tree. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even like with my dad, my dad was a great dad. There were things that I think could have been done differently. Now that I have that knowledge, I will do those things differently with my kid, you know, and I'm sure, sure there's things I mean, that we we'll all do. And that's, and that's every situation and every relationship. You, you take the good out and you try and replicate it and you look at the bad and say, you know, we're going to, we're going to get rid of those things or make, make some dramatic changes there. And I feel that way with gosh, so many friendships, so many people I admire to where, I admire certain things about them. Maybe their business skills, maybe their family skills, uh, maybe their faith, but not all three at the same time, if that makes sense. They're good at one or two of those things, and maybe they're failing in the others, but just because they're failing in that section of their life doesn't mean that you can't appreciate and like and admire and respect and even want to replicate what they've done in this aspect of their lives. Uh, And that's something I think a lot of people are just, they throw someone down and discount them entirely because of one failure in their life or in one section of their life, which is disappointing. That's interesting to say. Uh, So you're saying somebody could be good at, let's just say they're good at being a dad, but maybe they're not so good at their business or vice versa. They're really good at their business. They're building Mm -hmm. this million dollar company, but maybe they're not home to really raise their kid or teach their kid certain things. 100%. And I, I mean, I, I have genuine friends of mine that are, that are insanely good dads who suck at business, maybe suck at managing their personal finances. Um, but they're really good dads. And like those quality traits I admire. And I even copy some of those. I mean, there's some things they do as a dad that are, uh, that are admirable and copy worthy, but I don't copy them in their, in their personal finance side of their life or their business side of that and vice versa. You know, there's, there's tons of men out there building great businesses and almost ignoring their fatherhood duties um, or yes. their husband duties. 
And right. you, I mean, you can even tie that closer and, and go less dramatic between business and fatherhood and great fathers, not great husbands or great husbands, not great fathers. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of brings me back to uh, I wrote a few little talking points here just to, you know, beautiful. loosely go over. And one thing I think is important to being a good dad or a foundation, right? Because like the Bible, you want to build on rock, not on sand. You want to have a strong foundation. Um, and one of those, when it comes to being a dad, is being a good husband. Because when you have a good relationship with your wife, your kids are going to see that. You have three kids, right? Yep. I'm pretty sure. Was that planned? Did you guys uh, always say by you wanted me, three kids? By me, yeah. Yeah, it was always in that three to four range. Yeah. Um, Rye didn't have great pregnancies. Um, they were difficult for her. So after the second one, she kind of wanted to be done. And I kind of didn't. And uh, she thought she was done. And then we weren't. <laughs> so after the third one, she, she got tied off. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, we always just kind of said, you know, adoption is not out of the question. Uh, but at the same time, it wasn't something I was feeling uh, led to do. So we didn't. So we have the three. I could have I could have genuinely gone for seven, eight, nine, ten kids. It would have been I would have been a okay with that. Wow, that's something really? we talked about. But yeah, and I'm in no way disappointed that we don't have that many. It was something yeah. we talked about, you know, even before we got married. Yeah, I definitely want a few kids. Don't mind if we decide to have a bunch. Um, yeah. And she wasn't she was not against that either. Uh, but you know, we always said three, four is probably the appropriate range for us. Uh, How many siblings then, uh, do you have? Me, I have. Uh, wow. Wait, I never really lived with them. I lived with a few of them, but for short periods of time. Yeah. So I've got I've got an older sister, uh, a younger sister, and a younger brother. And so okay. two of them are half, two of them are halves, and uh, one's full. Uh, but I never lived with them for long, significant periods of time. Like we're like my brother. I was out of the house by the time he was like two, three years old. Mm. So it was almost like I visited him um, at times. And we lived, you know, he lived. He grew up in Maryland. I was living in Florida. So that's a uh, big. Big uh, age gap. Oh, well, it was a big, uh, what, maybe 12 year age, age gap. Okay. And, and okay. just proximity, you know, uh, right. we, we were just far away. And uh, even with my full, full sister, so she's, uh, we're about two and a half years apart. And, you know, it was just kind of custody things of jumping back and forth. So I don't think I ever lived with her for more than like two years in a row. Uh, I'd have to go back and think about that. But uh, so we really didn't grow up together, but they were there. If that makes sense. But so all and, of your kids are growing up together. Oh my gosh. They're close. And in the same room. I mean, best yeah. friends, mortal enemies, closest, closest, uh, thickest thieves, I guess is what you would say. Yeah. Uh, so I got two brothers, one older, one younger, and we're all a few years apart. So we grew up. It sounds like your kids are growing up. Like we're best friends, mortal enemies. Yeah. But, uh, and that's why, you know, ultimately I've, choose to work with my brother because <laughs> oh, you left one of them out though uh we did same, he, yeah same, you guys grew up in the same household we did yeah i mean there was a while there when we were growing up and all three of us were three boys uh we all shared one bedroom growing up kids so we these had, days they don't even know yeah well <laughs> so in our house uh we we had a three bedroom two bath uh but they all stayed in one room uh it was just kind of how <laughs> like by the time that you know once the crib phase was done uh, they had a triple bunk and then we had the other bedroom as like a guest room slash office and they would always kind of get brave every once in a while and want to go like be independent like the oldest one or, would and then the other ones would and most of the time when we got up in the morning they were back in their room because they just didn't want to sleep alone <laughs> it was they're so used to their brothers now uh we're probably handicapping them to a bit right right De dependency and right. all that so do you have when you had your kids, did you have experience with kids? Like, I, you know, we have friends with kids that had sure. nieces have, so and nephews yeah. and all that. Where in my family, me and my wife, this is we are the first ones in both of our families to have a kid. So it's completely different for us. But yeah. a lot of our friends had experience through family, cousins, all that. Right. So we didn't have family or cousins or anything like that um, have a kid. We were really the first, um, even to this day, you know, on both sides, we, we we are the only ones with the grandkids. Like there's no other, our our kids basically have no cousins. Um, right. 
now our cousin now my wife's cousins have kids our kids age so like my wife's cousin's kids i don't know if that's a relation or not third cousin once removed or something i don't know so they kind of grow up together in that sense and see each other once or twice a year but the experiences we had is my wife was the oldest child so she had two siblings so she got to see a baby born come home what you do with a bit how parents handle a baby maybe help change some diapers things like that and same thing with me i was at the house i was living in the house when my little sister was born so learned how to change a diaper feed a baby hold a baby things like that and saw the parents go through that stuff um and then same thing with my little brother i was living in the house when he was born and so got to see you know feeding schedules changing snaps all that kind of so from that angle we kind of knew what to expect now that was 10 15 year old information um Right. But it's not like we had never seen, you know, what a baby does to home life or something like that. So we we're prepared in that sense. Um, yeah, because none of the I, oh, I read about four different books. Uh, we took the baby classes and none of it prepared us for <laughs> the reality of it. Like the, the only thing I really remember from the baby classes is uh, the swaddling techniques, because I, I was just I was destined. And I think I had the natural hands for it to be an expert swaddler. I mean, I could do it in about 2.3 seconds flat. Nobody was getting out of that burrito. It was, oh, it was a, it was a skill to. It is a skill, and I, it was a skill that I have yet to perfect. Maybe with really? baby number two. Oh. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, I need, could do it, need, but uh, you need to treat it like a time, rodeo. About 50 percent of the time, it would be a solid burrito. But yeah, you know, just treat other... it, treat it like a rodeo. It's a timed competition. You got, you got three, four seconds to get it done, and. uh you know, no do-overs. Right. That's a good, <laughs> good yeah. comparison. So you and your wife, how did y'all decide like how you were going to raise your first kid and what kind of values y'all would have as a husband and wife? So that's something we were told early on to think about before we got married. Did y'all um, do so counseling? Not quite counseling. So we had a, this probably sounds weird to a bunch of strangers. Uh, we had a dance, she had a dance teacher that was very involved in our lives. And they had like, I don't know, it was a very tight knit group of girls that danced and there were some boys too. And they did shows and they traveled and like went on tour and, but they spent a lot of time together, like at the dance teacher's house and they called them bonding parties. And she was, that teacher was also the high school dance uh, coach. So I spent a lot of time around her because uh, I would just skip school all day my junior and senior year because I was just there to play football and wrestle. Um, and so I would just go to the dance room was a different building. So I would just go there and uh, skip all my classes and hang out because they had like, you know, beanbag chairs on carpeted area and I could just take naps and whatever. That woman was very influential. She, she was always doling out lots of wisdom. Uh, she was kind of one of those souls. Uh, and she's still around. Mentor. Yeah, yeah, we still see everyone. So, and so she always told us things like that, of like you need to, you know, you need to be on the same page. Like, if there's a path to you two being married one day, you need to be on the same page on things like what your faith is. Um, yeah. I don't think she realized we were the same faith. I think she thought I was something different. What else is she? And then you know, how many kids you want to have, how you want to raise them, uh, you know, how involved you want outside family, things like that. So she was kind of hammering that home. So it kind of created conversations for Ryan and I to talk about. When we finally got engaged, uh, we were both Catholic at the time uh, in high school. I meant college. The Catholic Church had something called, I want to say it was called Engaged Encounter. It was a process they would put people through. And you basically went to like one of the Catholic properties somewhere. It was basically like a little motel or camp resort um, for like a weekend. And you take notebooks and you break out and do this and that. And they have leaders and everything. And uh Things like that were certainly discussed. I can't remember much of the details. I think we still have those notebooks somewhere, so we could probably go back and read them. But it, it created a lot of conversations about what we want our life to look like. And, you know, they're kind of grown-up conversations, I guess. So we were always kind of on the same page. And so I don't know if we, you know, we probably never talked scheduling. We probably just talked about the experiences we had with our brothers and sisters and realized, you know, we kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of on the same page as this. And then, you know, discipline-wise, you know, neither one of us were from a home that, you know, beat the hell out of you or something like that. But, you know, I, I think she was never spanked and I was all the time. So spanking was like, an, not a fan here, but, you know, I kind of grew up in that. And it depends on the scenario, but, you know, not a beating, if that makes sense. Like we're not hitting yeah, kids that, on the head or. We're the, um, um, it sounds like we had kind of had a similar childhood because, yeah. So uh, my wife and I both were uh, born and raised Catholic as well. I'm not Catholic anymore. Neither one of us are. We do go to church. You go non-denominational now? 
We do. It's a, a really awesome church. Uh, the people that go there and give the services are just awesome. I actually joined a, a men's leadership small group uh, in 2020. Really awesome experience. But our, we were the same way. I mean, my dad, he hit us and he corrected us uh, through being physical, but he never beat our ass or anything. He just, right. we just knew, we just knew like not to mess with our dad, you know, like we knew to be good. We both had these paradigm shifts at the exact same time too. Like when we got married, that's when we realized, or no, it was when we got engaged, we realized, okay, something's missing here. Um, not that anything's wrong with our relationship, but there's something that could be better. And after thinking about it and reflecting it on it and talking about it, we realized it was our spirituality because financially we were both in a good spot and still are physically, you know, I mean, yeah, we can gun show. <laughs> uh, gun show right here, but we realized, you know, mentally, uh, physically, financially, we were all good, but spiritually is where we needed something. And neither one of us had been to church in like over a decade because in my teenage years, I strayed away from it. But once we got back into it, it's just been awesome for both of us. It's definitely, I think, completely necessary, you know, and people still, I have some friends that think, you know, religion is cheesy and that you don't need church and all that. But I really think it's important when you're becoming the man and the husband and the father that uh, you're called to be. So the keys there, and if you were to summarize all of this, uh, what we learned was effective was not that we were all on the same page, not that we were the same person. We grew up the same way. Those things really didn't matter. It was the willingness and comfortable comfortability uh, to have the conversations, to actually talk about the things and to, you know, just kind of work out a solution or a pathway. And, you know, there's a little bit of compromise. There's a little bit of, you know, putting your foot down and saying, this is really important to me. This is why it's important to me, you know, things like that. And it's having those conversations as a husband and a wife that make all the difference in the world. And that's how you have that good marriage. And that's how you build that good family is because these things are being talked about. It's not just kind of reacting to life all the time and figuring it out and then button heads. It's, you know, uh, crafting that plan. Um, and that making adjustments on the fly. Uh, you're, so it's not, you're about, actually, not about being the same, though. You're actually really right about that because when when we first started dating, I was terrible at, about talking about feelings and emotions and uh, and the future too. And Lindsay <laughs> kind of through her um, feminine f- feminine wisdom, right? Because because feminine energy is completely different than male energy, and I think that women have a different lens, a different energy than us men do, excuse me. And Lindsay uh, really got me out of my shell and talking about these sorts of things. And she's really, I have her to thank for helping me to realize some of those things. Sure. And so girls are always going to be more apt at talking because that's, you know, this is kind of a girl thing. Uh, yeah. Some guys, some guys are naturally that way, but not all of them. But I mean, that's a skill that's not only good for your relationship and good for your raising your kids um, and having a relationship with your children. I mean, that's good in the business world. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's good for your career. Um, yeah. You know, that's good if you're a politician. I mean, it's just it's helpful in uh, a lot of aspects of life. Communicate effectively and clearly. Becoming a new dad in 2020, a little isolated, not too bad in Georgia. Have you been looking for fathers to, obviously you're following, you followed hundred percent dad and found us. Are you looking for other fathers to like network with? Have you been, uh, you know, trying to find resources on, I guess, ways you can improve or just something to listen to that you can nod your head and agree with, or I guess what's been your, your approach to finding content or finding circles of, uh, in the dad space? Yeah, definitely. Something I could nod my head to for sure, because I like nodding my head, but also, you know, it reassures, reaffirms uh, the way I think that just reaffirm how I already feel, uh, whether it be with my faith or just with the way how I feel like there's a lot of nonsense happening in the world today. Um, the way that society is making certain things OK uh, that I don't think are OK really just from a religious perspective. I've been connecting with, like I said, people at the church, other dads. Uh, One of my good friends, John Addington, I've been meeting with. uh, He lives here in Georgia. He was, uh, so a little backstory about me. When I was a teenager, 
I, I was a little bit of a punk and I played rock and roll music in the uh, Georgia scene for about a decade. I played drums in a band and self-managed it, which was a really good, fun time of my life. Well, there was another band that was really probably the best band in Georgia that you've never heard of called A Small Victory. Okay. And uh, they broke up before they could really blow up, but they did tour all across the United States with all the punk rock, like early 2000s punk rock shows and stuff. And uh, they're on iTunes or Spotify still. Their album is. so. What's their uh, name again? A Small Victory. A Small Victory. Cool. And their bass player, yeah, we used, my band, we were like, they were like the older guys and we were the younger guys. And my band used to open up for them at a lot of their shows. And they're really cool dudes. But their bass player, uh, you know, after the band broke up, he um, had quite an interesting life. Uh, but to make a long story short, he has eight kids that he's raised um, and pretty much raised them by himself because him and his wife had had a thing and a falling out, unfortunately. Um, well, hopefully after the eighth kid. I mean, by then, the oldest is yeah, at least I, eight, I would hope. Right. Well, I know a few of them are like adopted too and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, so he's a guy that I look up to and um, we hang out more and, and talk about that stuff because I mean, he's been, I mean, he's raising eight kids. I know like half of them are like grown up now, like in their, you know, late teens, early twenties and stuff. Oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah. Cause he's older than me. So got it. Um, but you know, and, and just uh, finding other, like things like uh, there's a podcast called the order of man. Um, have you heard of that? I think I've heard of that. Is yeah. that, uh, is that Mick, uh, Mickler? Micklin? I, I, I think so. I think so. And, uh, and of course yours and stuff and just getting in touch with people like that, like people that want to help uh, raise the bar with sure. current dads and really the next what, generation what, too. What other, what other platforms are you following that you've been liking in the, uh, the dad and the man space? Um, so there's this, uh, uh, this other one called uh, black belt husbands. Okay. The guy's name's uh, Quentin Hefner and he's a, a doctor, uh, in psychology and he, I think he's a counselor too. Um, but he had a book come out, uh, that's about being a husband. It goes back to what I was saying about building that foundation. Um, in, in order to be a good dad, it's good to be a good husband or that's a good starting point. Sure. And his stuff's really cool. And then have you ever heard of Stefan Arnio? Nope. He wrote, he's dead. <laughs> he died uh, in 2020 from cancer, but he was about uh, a year older than me. So he was 35. I think he was 34 when he died. Wow. But he wrote this book called Hard Times Create Strong Men. And to me, that was the greatest book that I've ever read in my life besides the Bible. I it, get that one. I know that I know that it's essentially a, a Chinese like proverb or an Asian, some sort of Asian saying. Yes. You know, hard times make hard men. We uh Good, you know, easy times make weak men or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it's the whole premise is that history is a big circle and repeats itself. And right that, now that is one hundred percent true. Yes. And this guy, Stefan, I mean, again, he's rested RIP, brother, but he wrote this like five hundred plus page book, and the audio is just as good too. And he talks about the fall of Rome and compares it to what's happening in America today. So it's really cool. And he goes through this whole history lesson of becoming celebrity obsessed and sports obsessed and priorities shifting. Yes. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. The, all the distractions and everything. Yeah. Um, so that book actually, it, I think it was after that when I realized, okay, it's okay to get married. It's okay to have kids and, uh, and just, you know, I need to step up and be the man that I'm meant to be. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole husband, uh, the whole having your marriage strong, helping you be a father is super relevant in a few things. If you're having a tough time in your marriage, we've written on this and I think we've done podcasts on this before. Uh, if your marriage is struggling, 
it's hard to be a good dad because that's kind of what you're focused on. You're either, you know, down in the dumps or you're having these arguments in your head or you're burying yourself into work. And it's hard to be happy and positive and really engaging with your kids when you're mad at your spouse, when you're doubting yourself as a, as a man or a husband, or you're just in constant fights or you're withdrawing almost from the family as a protective uh, mechanism. Um, and just makes you this, shell of the man you once were and the shell of the dad and because the kids are going to be reading that differently than you're intending it to to go out um and so that has that that has real complications um and then at the same point if you look at statistics and we're then we get into the topic of divorce or um, households without dads uh statistically so white paper research if you're just looking at numbers you go to if you look at the households that do not have a dad present at all, uh, the numbers are just astronomically different than homes with a dad that's involved. And that's basically every measurable statistic goes in a positive direction when dad's there, and every measurable statistic goes in a negative direction when you're not there. And that's things like um, teen pregnancy rates, STDs, crime, poverty, uh, welfare dependence. Uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, what the government takes census on. I mean, every measurable data is it's night and day when dad, when there is a dad in the home. Uh, now, then we have to have the discussion of, you know, are, are dads that are already divorced or getting divorced or, you know, they're just a single dad scenario due to death or whatever the issue is. Uh, you know, what can they do? You know, are they just doomed to fail? And of course, the answer is no. Uh, you know, there's, there's things you can do. Same thing with a single mom household. It's not like you're absolutely doomed. Uh, you know, we're just looking at data and trends and some, some obvious indicators, not that they can't be overcome. Absolutely. And that I, I wanted to add that too. Yeah. Cause I know single moms, I know single dads, like my friend, John, they are kicking ass, you yeah. know? Um, and I just, after having a kid and seeing how much work goes into it, I just have nothing but respect for all parents, but especially single parents and single parents that are doing a good job. It's hard because you're trying to do the jobs of two people and one. So it's, it's tremendously difficult and it's hard to do. It's hard to do all of those things as well as you could when you, when, you know, that list is split up by two people. And that's where, I mean, there's some, there's some uh, co-parenting families, uh, that have just knocked it out of the park and do superbly fantastic jobs because they've almost got four really good, really involved people. And the only thing I can't figure out there is why the mom and dad got divorced. So if everyone, when everyone's getting along and things are going well and like they're good with their new spouses and everyone's kind of like, there's not different sets of rules in the houses and, you know, um, the values and things like that are all on the same page and they're genuinely doing a good job. I just, I don't know what created that divorce in the first time to where the mom and the dad, because uh, obviously there's harmony there and there's, you know, they're able to tolerate each other. It's not contentious. Uh, that's when I almost wonder if there's, you know, divorces happening too soon. If, you know, things got a little bit difficult and we get, we're giving up too soon, which is, you know, if you, if you follow my content, I'm very bullish on marriage. I, I very much am a strong proponent. I think there's lots of scenarios you can overcome, but at the same point, we're trying to set our kids up with the best possible odds, if that makes sense. So. Right the best possible odds are a whole family. Uh, so it's not impossible. It's just, those are the, you know, trying to give our kids a leg up in life. We're trying to make sure, you know, do the things with the best probability. That's exactly it. And, you know, I, I grew up in a divorced household. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was three. But I didn't know that you made it seem like y'all lived together in a big, happy family. <laughs> well, we were, we were happy most, most of the time. Uh, but no, they got divorced when I was uh, three years old. Okay. And, you know, it's so funny because I never had a problem with it because uh, my parents, when they got divorced, they did it in such a gr- graceful way, as graceful as a divorce could be, I guess, uh, where they still talk to each other. They still, you know, we still switched back and forth. Um, well, at, so at age three, do you remember much of life? with mom and dad in the home? My earliest memories, but I could remember them fighting. That's kind of some of my earliest memories. But it's funny because I never blamed myself or had any problems with it. 
But when I would go to school in elementary school, they would send me to these counselors and these counselors would say, oh, oh, honey, don't worry. It's it's not your fault. Your parents got divorced. And I, I remember when I was a little kid thinking I never thought it was my fault. Yeah, no, right. You guys put that idea trying to put ideas in my head. Come on. That's funny. So your little brother was must have been really young then. Yeah, he was like like barely one. Okay, so he doesn't he so he he grew up in a life where he never knew any different. I mean, that's how I was. My my dad left when we were like 2 weeks old, so I I didn't know any life of like mom and dad are in the same household. I just thought everyone's parents were, you know, in different houses. Right. Um, right. So right. your how, how old was your older brother then? Uh, Five or he six? was 4 4. I think you guys were all real young. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think it's a lot easier for a divorce when you're young as opposed to when I hear about, you know, other kids that are, are in their teens. Because well, you're not breaking up their whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we're advocating it for that way, but yeah, I mean, no. they just, they, you almost don't know any better. Uh, it's just, it's what life is. We have nothing else to compare it to. Uh, yeah. And then there's also, so you have the teenage, teenage ones are very difficult. Uh there's some people, this is a pretty rare scenario, that wait till age 18 and then just completely shatter everything. And they, that's when both parents dropped the bombshell for getting divorced. We were just waiting for the last one of you to be 18. Oh, man. And that, and they, so they think, they, so the intent was good. They thought they were trying to get their kids through childhood, they'd be out of the house, and then it won't impact them as much. Uh, and it's just not true. I mean, you just shatter, you know, those kids are, are emotionally harmed big time in a very real way, not just like a, sissy way of you know let's use some sort of emotion as an excuse um that is really the world you grew up in was a ruse it was all fake it was a show it was an act and when you've been lied to that long uh what else were you lying about you know are you know our values even true or do we just say that we're good people but we do something else you know do we so there's it's it's kind of earth shattering uh in those scenarios especially when you find out there's been that long con in a sense. But I was reading a story. It wasn't a study. It was just a story. And it was a celebrity. Uh, they were either politicians or celebrities. I think they were politicians. I can't quite remember. But they got divorced. This is just to show how divorce can affect at any age. They got divorced like after 40 years of marriage. Uh, so much older, had a life. They had kids. Their kids had kids. Their kids were already married, things like that. And uh, this couple... And within two to three years, uh, all of their kids had divorced as well. So you're talking about like you hold someone to a level, to a standard, and they, they, these people mean a lot to you, and they kind of set the example and set the standard. And then, you know, all that stuff kind of comes crashing down. So, you know, it has ramifications, um, even when you don't intend it to. It, it, absolutely. And I think when you have a daughter, that – father-daughter relationship is so important. I'm, I'm scared to death of having a daughter because I feel like there's a lot different of an approach to it in a way. Girls um, and boys are different. But I know Lindsay, like a big part of the reason of why we got married or why I got married to her and realized she was the one for me is because she has such a good head on her shoulders. And, you know, it wasn't even until after we started dating that I realized she had a really great solid relationship with her father and i think that's very important because i don't know about you but i've dated uh <laughs> i've dated girls in the past you know in high school and college that uh you could tell didn't have good relationships with their father you know well i mean, you know there, what I mean. there's a reason um you know there's a segment of guys that go after girls with daddy issues that's a real thing uh when you don't have that relationship with you know, the man you admire and love the most, you know, they, you know, girls are, a lot of girls will try and fill that void um, with uh, a love that does not actually fill that void and kind of compounds and makes things worse. So uh, yeah, no, dad's relationship is huge. Uh, and then dad being able to adjust his relationship between a daughter and a son is a very tactical approach because uh, like I said girls and boys aren't the same. Now there's some girls that go hunting with their dads and do sports and, you know, do maybe things that are more traditionally masculine. And there's, you know, probably some sons out there that I don't know, do maybe more feminine things. Uh, I, you know, I'm just throwing out examples. Here. Read, study. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> make cookies. movies. I, I don't cookies. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like to be in the kitchen, cooking, clean, you know, 
So, you know, it's not, it's not one thing fits everyone. Uh, but being able to change your approach, because girls usually like to, we talked about this earlier, communicate, talk a whole lot more. Uh, and dads aren't always that way. <laughs> so the, the being able to adjust and make sure you're consciously putting in that time and that effort into listening. You don't have to talk a lot. It's more about just listening and being there and being available uh, and putting your guard down and just listening. Uh, it's, a, it's a real tactical skill that helps develop that relationship with the girl. Because if you come to me, you, and just chat my ear off all the time and I like force myself to listen, that's not going to bond us all that much. But with a daughter, that will cement that bond. It doesn't feel like it to the guy, but to the girl it does. So it's just there's there's different approaches there. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I have friends um, with with daughters, you know, that are a couple years old. And I mean, they love it. They said it's, there's nothing like having your little princess. Yeah, I get that. I really do. That'd be, yeah. I could see that being fun. Um, I wouldn't have minded going for a fourth and hoping it was a girl. Uh, it probably would have been a boy. So, Yeah, I, I wanted a boy first. I knew that. Uh, for our second one, Lindsay, Lindsay wants a daughter really bad. Uh, I'd be okay with another boy, to be honest. But yeah, it's just yeah. it's different. But it's, I mean, neither neither one's uh, bad or or better. So you get the cards, you get dealt. Right, right. I guess I'm just thinking too far in the future, like you know, when they're of dating age, and like just knowing. We're guys. We know how guys are, you know? Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you make those preparations. You have those conversations well ahead. You kind of set the standards of your household, you know? It's when you spring, it's when a 16-year-old girl comes home and says, hey, daddy, I'm so excited. You know, Jake asked me out on a date and we're going out Friday to so-and-so. Uh, and you've never had a conversation with her. Oh, let's start earlier. Let's say she was 13. Uh, and you've never had any conversations about that kind of stuff. And your expectation was no dating until 15 or 13 um, or whatever your 21. values are. 21. Yeah. Um, well, you don't want to create rebellion on purpose. Um, yep. So you want to set, you know, set reasonable, realistic uh, rules. Uh, but you, having an expectation set and being proactive in your parenting is going to have a lot better results than being reactive and having a daughter that comes home excited about something. And instead of, uh, instead of being able to join her in that excitement, you kind of crush her and say, boy, you're not going out. No, no, no boys, you know, uh, or no boys till this certain age or, you know, you're not going. So when there's rules and expectations of what's an allowable date or um, what's an allowable age and that's all done in, in advance, you're going to have a much smoother, better process because uh, the expectations have been laid out in advance. And it's just no one's going to get no one's going to get crushed and get mad at you and then purposely do the opposite because you surprised them with something. That goes back to the effective communication. Yep. And there was a, a really good series of services at my church about a year ago. And it was perfect. It was right when we were having Logan or right when Logan was about to be born. And um, Andy Stanley, the leading pastor at North Point Community, our church, he was saying that in his household, he was talking about raising kids and overcoming the difficulties with it. And uh, he was talking about, you know, one of the biggest ways to have effective communication is to simplify the rules. And in his household with his kids growing up, they only had two rules. Number one was honor your mother, honor your mother. So if your mother says you can or can't do something, that's the final say. You don't come back. You don't come back to dad and say, hey, dad, mom said I can't do this. Could I do that? Mm -hmm. Because if you say that, if you do that, you're dishonoring your mother. She already said no. Because if a kid comes up to me or if Logan comes up to me and his mom just told him not to do something and he says, dad, can I do it, please? If I say, yeah, sure, you can do that. But your mom said you couldn't. Then that creates disharmony yeah. within the household because your mom well, said one thing and now I'm saying, telling you something else. Uh, well, A, mom and dad need to be a united front. B, the right. kid in our house, uh, the kid's got in huge trouble um, for playing mom and dad against each other. 
So that was a bigger crime, if that made sense, and got such a more heavy-handed punishment and a and a greater response um, than whatever else they were they were trying to do or doing with. It, it was just that was such a big thing of you don't go to mom when dad said no. Um, you don't go to dad when mom said no, especially if you're, it's one thing if you're trying to have a conversation of like, you know, why is he doing it this way? You know, here are some reasons we should. Um, that doesn't happen very often with kids. If you didn't tell mom that dad already said no. So if you just went and asked mom something and then went off and did it because she said yes. And then I find out later that you did that. Like there was hell to pay. It was, like it was a big deal. It's a big sin in our household. Um, to drive a wedge between mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, I I could see it. Well, so back to the two rules. So that was rule number one was honor your mother. And number rule number two was don't lie. And he keeps it very simple. Uh, he said that there was one story he told where his daughter came in the room and was like, daddy, daddy, you got to see what I did. I Because he bought, he bought a brand new car. It was like a Corvette or something that he was excited for. And she goes, daddy, daddy, you got to see the art I made on your car. And he's oh. like, what? And she takes him to the garage and she basically keyed his car or, or took something toys or something and was playing with it or scratching up the car, but made all these scratches on this brand new car. And he was so frustrated, but he couldn't be mad at her because she didn't break any rules. She didn't lie. She told the truth. It was it was an interesting moment because she didn't break the rules. Now, with you and your kids, what kind of rules do you have, and what kind of punishments do you have? Because uh, don't don't scratch my truck. Right, don't scratch the <laughs> truck. That we're gonna have to write that in. Add that. Oh, oh, that's written in because uh, oh, Levi Levi carved his name in my truck. My oldest oh. one did. So that's a thing that kids just do. Okay. So. Yeah, that's a real thing. Uh, okay. So our rules at home were very clear and fixed. And it was, you know, we weren't a military household, but we were pretty, we were pretty disciplined and we had routines and uh, a lot of stability. Um, you know, there was no writing on the wall and that rule got uh, created because someone wrote on the wall. <laughs> there, uh, you know, there was a bedtime. Uh, there was a, basically a cleanup after yourself. You were allowed to cry and stuff like that in pits fits, but usually you had to, you know, you were given a little bit of leeway, but then you just had to go somewhere else. Like, it's all right if you cry, but you need to go do that in your room. You know, temper tantrums and fits were not rewarded. From what I'm reading, you should never, if you're going to punish correctly, you should never punish or correct them out of anger. Yeah. So there's a couple scenarios and it kind of depends on the offense. Um, so sometimes there needs to be an immediate and swift uh, reaction, just very clear, wrong. Don't do that immediate. You know, maybe it's a swat of the hand, you know, cause they're about to touch a stove or um, you're protecting them. You're, yeah, so your some things, physical touch is prohibiting them from hurting themselves more than you'd hurt them by swatting their hand. Yeah, and, and I'd have to prepare a few examples. I'm trying to think them off the top of my head. I just can't think of anything that a kid can do wrong on the spot. Um, you know, some, some things are just a little bit more immediate and swift. Um, as far as, like, anger and stuff like that, I am naturally the person that kind <clears> of <throat> can sit there and just stare at a thing and let it be awkward and kind of, like, run everything through my head. Um, and I know on way, way, way more than one occasion, I've sat there and said, Go sit on your bed while I figure this out. You know, we usually addressed exactly what was wrong. Let's say they, uh, I don't know, grabbed a bottle of ketchup and just dumped it on the new couch. It, it'd be an immediate, that's wrong. You cannot do that. What made you thought that was a good idea? Let's go. A couple of reasons. You're wasting food. Second, that's a brand new couch. Uh, third, you're going to clean it up. Um, you know, at least participate in the cleanup. I guess, you know, that's going to be age appropriate and don't make it, you know, we don't want it to make it worse and kids aren't going to naturally know, you know, how to handle certain fabrics, if that makes sense. So it kind of depends on your value system of what's important to you and our house carpets and stuff like that. Like they mattered, but not that much. Like you get in trouble, but it wasn't that much trouble because it's not like our carpets were perfect. Like we're the right. family that wore, wore shoes in the house. Like you didn't have to take shoes off at the door. I've, been, to I've think been letting go more and more of, 
keeping a clean house because yeah, me and my I, wife, we keep a clean house and we've always kept it, you know, like everything in order, but we have become mm-hmm. a lot more lenient because you kind of have to. We, we live a lifestyle that's clean, like in the sense that like, you know, things aren't just piled up everywhere. There's no sense of hoarding or anything like that. There's no bugs or um, filth or mold or anything like that. But, uh, you know, one, one lady came into our house and said, your house is still lived in. And, you know, it was a compliment. Like, I mean, there's just like, there's toys around, like our pillows aren't perfectly placed all the time. Like a lot of times our couch cushions are on the floor because kids are jumping on them. Um, you know, we clean it up after, you know, people are coming over, we put a little more effort to it. You know, yeah. there might be, there's probably some dishes in the sink at some point, but they're not like overflowing and filthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, it's not a disgusting house. It's just a living house because there's constant commotion and there's people. And we didn't want to spend that much of our life caring about those things because they just weren't important to us. We'd rather be having fun and enjoying life. And because, it, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but if you're trying to achieve that perfect level of clean, man, you're going to get in a lot of fights and arguments with your kids. And some people are going to live that life. I just, I, we, we as a family chose not to, it just wasn't as important to us. Or we wanted to take care of our stuff, but at the same time, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. Right. Yeah. I feel that way. Like our, we, our vehicles, um, we genuinely never cared about uh, to an, to an extent, like not utter filth, but like we ate in them. Um, we went to the beach with them and there'd be sand in them. It, it just wasn't that important to us. And so it's kind of the same with the home. And even with our RV now, like if, if you looked around right now, like everything's not pristine. It's not a showroom. Right. Um, right. So growing up, me and my brothers, we, we had to keep it pristine. Like our dad was a yeah. big hard ass on that. And that's one thing that I would make a correction from how our dad raised us was I want to have or do my best to have a little more patience with my kid uh, or kids in the future. So my dad, for example, he, nothing was ever done to his satisfactory. Yeah. High satisfaction, which, which, you know, it's good to have the high standards, but for example, when it came to things like doing things or completing a task, instead of, you know, saying good job or you did good, it would never be good enough. And he would always come through and redo it himself after us. So yeah. when it came to simple tasks like cleaning, uh, cleaning the sink or whatever, or even more advanced tasks like building a model airplane or something, he would always come in and be like, no, no, that's wrong. Let me do it. Let me do it. And he would do it. And it was like that all the time. So yeah, that's one thing that with my kids, I need to learn how to have a little more grace. Cause I still I, have, I like even some ask my wife sometimes, you know, we're not perfect. We, we bicker. And uh, sometimes we, our patience is thin with each other in that regard. So. That, and that's why having a good spouse really helps. Cause um, I am similar to where like, I just have high expectations of how things are done. Um, and I, I'm adjusting for a kid already, but sometimes it's like, I know I can do it really well. So I want to get involved. My wife is good at um, not tearing me down, but kind of finding her way to get in there, not to embarrass me or, or in front of the kids or anything or undermine me or anything, but like, Hey, like the kids, let, let them do it their way. It doesn't have to be your way. Um, and so she kind of helps balance that out a little bit in me. Cause it's something I just genuinely need help with. Cause my, and I was this way at, um, in work too. Like, you know, if you ask anybody that's ever worked for me and they'll sit there and say, it was hard for me to actually achieve perfection. And then even when I did achieve perfection, uh, that was the standard. So there was no like, good job. <laughs> it was like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's you know, what you, yeah, right. yeah. Um, which is not a good way to be a boss. And now, you know, it, it took me a while to figure that out. There's this kind of this ebb and flow of you've earned trust. You've lost trust. You've earned trust. You've lost mm. trust. Uh, you know, you can, you can go out further and do things on your own and have a little bit more solitude and, you know, now you can't. Um, the biggest thing we've had in the RV life is, uh, especially the life we get to live now, is their life is freaking good. Uh, and there's not much of a punishment. So we're struggling with how do we penalize our children? Because the truth is, even if they get in trouble, they've done something really wrong. You know, when grandma and grandpa flew in 2,000 miles away, they're still going to hang out with grandma and grandpa. 
Like they're still going to, you know, if they got a hotel or a cabin, they're still going to go there. Cause you know, we're probably not going to punish grandma and grandpa or, you know, they haven't seen each other in a while. Um, we're still going out to eat several times a week. Like, you know, it's just that that's our life. We're tasting the foods of the area we were in, you know, we're going to, if we're in St. Louis, we're getting St. Louis pizza from like the best St. Louis place. So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting St. Louis ribs from, you know, the best barbecue place in town or the iconic one. So, you know, we're still, you know, in a sense, they get a field trip almost every single day. So, you know, they could do something wrong, get in trouble, be very disobedient, but there's really no grounding because it's not like we can leave them somewhere. Or we'd have to almost ground the entire family if one gets in trouble or all three. And then we have to like punish ourselves as parents, which we do every once in a while. Because honestly, we're still going to go to a museum. We're still going to go to this tourist thing. We're still going to go see, you know, St. Louis. We're still going to go up in the arch. Um, We're still going to go see the baseball stadium. And, you know, because we're moving such a fast-paced life and and constantly traveling different cities. So that's been very difficult. Of We're really not able to ground or punish all that well. So we're having to kind of, like, create things for them to do. Um, Who's who's your baseball? uh, What team do you all root for? I'm not sure we have one. So I was born in Baltimore. So I'm like a default Orioles fan just because, uh, you know, they were world champions right here. Yeah. I'm not from Georgia, so I don't care about them. Oh, but you're from Florida. All, everybody, all my friends from Florida, they root for it, the Atlanta Braves. So are we, I mean, I, you can't shouldn't root we be, for Miami. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I guess it was a, the Marlins or Devil Rays. Um, but we like, in, we're, I'm in St. Augustine. So, we don't have one in our region. Um, but yeah, from I was True born play. in Baltimore, so the Orioles, but the Orioles haven't done anything since like 96. So, right, right. Well, uh, so your kids, how do you, how do you school them then? I mean, it's uh, we, we, we homeschooled before we left. Yeah. So we started the yeah. oldest in private school and we just really didn't like it. Uh, I, we, I think we came into odds with that private school for some reason. And uh, so we, my wife decided she would give homeschooling a try for one year. And there's a big homeschooling community in San Augustine, Florida and in Florida in general. Um, Good. And then, you know, once we got into it, like I can't imagine going back now, there's so much freedom, uh, so much enjoyment. I think the quality of education moving to homeschool, we're able to control a lot more and there's curriculums. You get to pick out the curriculum. So I think the quality of education, especially over public schools is tenfold. And we get a tremendous amount of time freedom because they're not just sitting in class waiting for the other kids to get done or waiting for the bell to ring. I was never impressed with the public schools. We're, we have the number one county in the state of Florida and education-wise. Like a lot of people moved to our county for the public school system. Really? I graduated I- from. They're not that impressive. Like they're number one in Florida. Florida's like number 30 in the country. Our country's like number like 12 in the world. Like These aren't right. great well, that's things. That's like where I live in Gwinnett County. They say that Gwinnett County has like the best schools in Georgia. Yeah. A, an involved parent and an involved and a kid that's really into education um, can do well and excel in public schools. Um, everyone else, not so much. You kind of just get pushed through. I skipped the last two years of high school, like almost every single class, every single day, and still graduated by. And I so I didn't learn a lot. You know, it's kind of you know, I figured the system out to and the home school. Minimum. And yeah, the other thing, though, is public school, you have private school and you have homeschool. Private school, that's a whole other animal in itself, because I have cousins that went to private school, actually Greater Atlanta Christian School. Those dudes were crazy. They partied yeah. 10 times more than us public school kids. Did. It, it's a it's a ruse that the private school is a safe place. It's not, um, you know, the 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 Catholic was only when I was growing up, there was only one private high school in St. Augustine. And the only difference between us and them is they could afford cocaine and our right. public schools couldn't. So, right. I mean, they, you know, when their parents went out of town for long periods of time, that beach house was empty and that's where we partied. Yeah, no, the, the problems do not get away at private schools. If, if anything, they get worse. The, the bullying can be worse. Um, the keeping up with the Joneses at a teenage level can get a lot worse. And definitely the, the party drug sex scene can be uh, just as bad, if not worse, or just higher class. <laughs> higher class. So, yeah, so I, I'm not enthralled by private schools either or public schools. And more than anything, I just wanted the time. Schools consume so much time that's unnecessary. And I just, 
I am so enjoying our lifestyle. I also have a career that um, allows for it and a wife that um, is willing to stay at home. Um, so we can make good benefit of it. And so we have a lot more family time and family enjoyment um, and going out doing stuff uh, that is often educational. You know, all the museums we go to are often educational. When we go see things, you know, the Lewis and Clark trail is very educational. Um, when we go to farms, it's very educational. Um, yeah. So we learn a lot and, and have a greater perspective of the world and how it works. Uh, things that, you know, you only get touched on in school. Uh, but it's a lot of waste of time. There's just a lot of waste of time in school. We're done. We're done in like an hour and a half, two hours, maybe three tops. And then we have the rest of the day to live. Even colleges, because I'm not going to encourage my kids to go to college unless they want to and they know what they want to do. My wife, Lindsay, she's a nurse. She's a registered nurse in RN at Gwinnett Medical, now Northside. She went to college because she knew that she was going to become a nurse. Yeah, I went to college because my dad told me to my whole life, go to college, get a degree, become an accountant, get an accountant degree. My brain is not wired to be an accountant. <laughs> I'm a people person. I'm a salesman. I, that's what I do. And I'm very creative. So yeah. my dad, you know, in that regard, never took the time to talk or actually get to know me in that sense. So when I went to college, I went for a couple of years and I just got stoned the whole time. <laughs> and that's all I did. Uh, didn't did finish. I didn't graduate. And after a couple of years, and then I did, uh, for about six years, I worked in a warehouse as a forklift operator. Did your dad pay for that or did you take on the loans? For those couple of years, uh, we split it about half and half. Uh, but after I quit, well, like I said, I worked in a warehouse for about six years driving a forklift, which wasn't terrible. It, uh, it was a good secure job and, uh, you know, paid the bills. That's actually how I got into real estate was because uh, after over six years of driving a forklift, I realized that there were dudes in that warehouse that were 50, 60 years old that had been doing it since they were my age. Yeah. And I realized I didn't want that to be me. So I decided, okay, I could either go back to college and take out loans and get, go into debt and or for about 500 bucks, I could get my real estate license and get into sales and start that career. And that's what I did. And I've you know, been doing it ever since and have lived a, a comfortable life since. And I know other people, uh, one of my good friends, he actually became a doctor. He's not really doing what he wants. And he's hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. That's just crazy to me. Right. A that's very normal. Common story. That's normal. I, I, you know, oh. fuck normal. Yeah. Excuse me. Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? <laughs> At least is he, he's using the degree. So a, a, a lot of people are going to college, getting their degree and whatever, because they didn't know what they wanted to be. And you look at their career and it has nothing to do with the degree they got. Um, and so then you wonder why. So I actually just had the podcast that's going out this week is a guy. He's more of a proponent in college than I am. Uh, but he figures out he's he specializes in late stage funding uh, for college. So parents who are young, you know, obviously it's just as practical when you have younger kids. But you know, when you're in high school and you realize you got big college bills coming up, preparing for what's coming ahead. But yeah, I'm, I'm not big on college. I dropped out. Um, I don't mind if my kids go. I would like them to have some sort of reason for going. Uh, uh, Florida's got some pretty nice. Uh, tuition helpers they we've got the uh great futures program that that pays for a lot of tuition if you if you perform well in high school and graduate with a good gpa and then continue to have a strong gpa in college uh you know it's through our lottery in the, in the state of florida but it, it covers a good chunk of tuition um which can be very very helpful i'm not big on just sending the kids away to party for four years just I don't think life hasn't been that hard that they need that kind of vacation. <laughs> so. Exactly. And like I said, just if they know what they want to do and it's something that makes sure. sense. Now, if my son comes up to me and says he wants to go to school for gender studies, 
I'm going to say, hell no, <laughs> you have to pay for that shit yourself. Cause sure. uh, that, that. Has and then I would strongly advise that they actually pay for that themselves. Cause you know, what value will it have as a career um, versus now I would sit there and say, if my son's very, um, very skilled in mathematics and wants to pursue mathematics to a higher level because, you know, his teachers are saying he's scoring off the charts, um, but we don't know what kind of career that means. I, I would probably still fund that for my kids and sit there and say, yeah, pursue higher mathematics. I mean, honestly, it's an advanced thing, so there's probably higher job opportunities, but we don't know what that is. We don't even know if you might like that. <laughs> so, you know, you might, you know, obviously if you hate math, don't do it, but, you know, if that's something you want to pursue because you have a talent and you want to kind of, like, I'm better at this than the other people. I want to keep doing it. Um, you know, I'd happily fund that, not knowing what the end game is. Knowing at the same time that there's probably something lucrative at the end of it. There's a skill set there. There's a yeah. skill set somewhere, and and yeah. somewhere down but, the line, there's going to be the, a practical but, use for it. And but, but then, to make money. then there's a practicality we had to add on here that uh, you know, his daughter wanted to be a lawyer, and he had the foresight to sit there and say, "Okay, listen, I've got a client that's an attorney. I'm going to get you an internship. You know, I think it's freshman or sophomore year of college. Just spend the summer up there." Um, and he's he's going to let you work beside him. So you see what law firm, you know, you know, the paperwork side, you know, the client side, you know, billing, you know, and it kind of all phases of law. And she did that for a summer and realized, wow, I hate it. <laughs> so, like, the idea of being a lawyer was really cool, but the practicality of being a lawyer, I'd be miserable my whole life. It's, just, it's not for me. Um, and so that was a smart decision by that dad of, uh, um, you know, let's make sure this isn't just, like, a dream that that you're okay with the, the the realness of what the job is. I had a friend that wanted to be a sex therapist because she thought she would be helping. Um, uh, that's what she wanted to go to college for. She thought she'd be helping couples like improve their sex life. And then it didn't take long before she figured out, no, you're just, you're, you're having to sit down with just disgusting perverted people because they want to rape a 12 year old. And, like she realized, well, that's, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want that to be my life. Uh, like I thought it would be this beautiful thing. And no, it's a, that's a horrible, uh, horrible thing. Uh, uh, so, you know, getting into the real practicalities and, and, you know, having that kind of foresight for a child that doesn't know to have the foresight is, is a, a very good tip. Well, yeah, that's that whole dilemma of either following something you're passionate about or following about following something that's, practical going towards something that's practical because you know there's two types of coaches i've seen um on social media and everything and that you should follow your passions find something you're passionate about right and just stick with that and then yep. there's the other school of thought that's no don't follow your passion your passion could just be your hobby and then do something that you're good at that makes you money be okay with that Listen, I appreciate you having on. I think we got a lot of good content in there. Uh, if there's any last things you want to say, uh, you can go ahead and give a closing remark, and then we'll go ahead and uh, cut this off. Okay. Townsend, I mean, I really appreciate the talk today and having me on here. Uh, I think that it's important for not only people like you and me to talk, but people listening to podcasts like this to talk to other people they're friends with, uh, other dads they know, other people who have experience that they might not have you having three kids, you have more experience than me, me having a completely different experience than you just gives you a different perspective as well. So um, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting us have this discussion today. Absolutely. Just I appreciate you coming on. Have a good one. All right, brother. This is 100% Dad. Find our current tour schedule on 100dad.com, 100dad.com, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and more at 100dad, 100dad. Email Townsend at 100dad.com.